HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. It's Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. And hey, we're going to be talking with three wonderful guests, a little bit about master in beer and food pairing and small beers and lagers. So this is a pretty great show. We've got some friends in Toronto and Duluth, Georgia. So let's go around the room and introduce everyone. Uh, I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here, Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Marella. My name is Mirella Amato. I'm a craft beer and sensory specialist, and I'm based in Toronto, Canada. All right. Todd. Hey there. I'm Todd DiMatteo, and I am a partner and the head brewer at Good Word Brewing in Public House in Georgia. All right. And Luke. Hello. My name is Luke Bimlafontaine. Um, I'm the owner brewer of Godspeed Brewery in Toronto, Canada. Wow. Th- this is a special show. It came together... Um, first, we're going to talk about Todd's Little Beer Fest because um, that's kind of w- what I was thinking about when we put the show together. Todd, Little Beer Fest, it was, it was big news. Um, Josh Bernstein wrote about small beers and little beers in the New York Times. Um, just tell us about that event and, and why you've been doing Little Beer Fest for like, what is this, the fourth year? No, I wish it was uh, that old. Uh, unfortunately, you know, when we actually wanted to do it, we were unable because of the shutdown. But it was something we have been talking about, uh, my business partner and I, for a few years. You know, celebrating lagers and, and small beers. We make a lot of, um, you know, low, low ABV beers in uh, general, lagers and English beer specifically. Um, and we wanted to have an event and invite a bunch of people uh, to join us for that. But, yeah, last year was the first time we were able to pull it off. And so we did it in downtown Duluth. And uh, it's a really small but quaint little town that we uh, reside in. We had, I think, 55 brewers last year. The ask is basically we have um, one pale lager and one beer that's 5.5% ABV or lower of any style. Initially, I wanted it to be one pale lager and one English beer, but we wouldn't have uh, quite as many brewers uh, be able to participate because of those guidelines. But um, it was a, a great event. You know, it's funny because even though I think this group probably really appreciates lagers, the general uh, craft beer market is still coming online with those. I think we get into them 
early on in our high school and college days because of the macro uh, loggers, and then we get away from them because the you know the exploration and beer and all that sort of stuff. But I think most of us come full circle and appreciate really uh, some simple and delicious beers, and that's why we started doing little beer. That's great, man. It's great. We, we've had you on a few times, and uh, looking forward to talking with you more tonight, Mister Luke Beam, my old friend from uh, a new year from Du de Ciel. How are you, sir? Good, good. Nice to be back. Yeah, and then just tell us a little bit about Godspeed, because for some of us, it's news. I, I, I did see you a couple of years ago, and I got to taste a couple of your yeah. beers. Um, well, yeah, Godspeed is uh, soon to be five years old. Uh, so basically what uh, happened is I, um, I, <clears throat> I got back from Japan because I, I opened a brewery in, uh, in Japan, like a couple of hours north of uh, Tokyo in uh, 2014 and uh, for X and X reason I came back so uh, me and my wife you know we uh, jump out of the plane we stop in Toronto with uh, six uh, suitcases and three days at the hotel and um, and uh, I was just ready for my new journey so uh, I took uh, yeah it's uh, it's a true story actually so I um, yeah, sold my sold my shares back to my partners in Japan, and uh, and I took a year off, just to um, you know to uh, do my business plan, try to find a place and uh, find some some money, and um, yeah, so I opened in uh, July two thousand seventeen, and um, and yeah, so what a basically what Godspeed is uh, is all about is. Uh, you know, if there's two words to represent Godspeed is uh, refined simplicity, uh, I always say. And um, and I also kind of like brought back the, the Japanese soul in, into my business. I was doing, a, at the beginning, I was doing a lot of uh, Japanese um, ingredients, beers, and uh, with uh, Japanese food, like we were a full restaurant. And... Um, and uh, if you if you go back in time, if you rewind, you know I've been uh, I ce- I'm celebrating 30 years of brewing this year, so uh, <laughs> kind of uh, yeah, it's pretty wow. crazy. Yeah, start brewing in 1991, and um, yeah, but uh, you know if we um, rewind back at the the dude sale times, it's actually 10 years that I'm that I'm not at dude sale anymore. Time flies, but uh, yeah, you know we I always been uh, we always been big fans of. Um, of of lagers and uh high drinkability beers so um you know when i left ddc uh this is what uh, you know this is what i continued doing uh my portfolio of my uh, my beers in japan were most of them were under four and a half percent alcohol and uh it's pretty much same thing now here at godspeed and uh, really focused on on lagers now uh and especially uh Czech loggers because uh, you know I've been having a strong connection with the with with the Czech government in the last three years. Uh, we can talk more about it very <laughs> if you want, but uh, but yeah, that's oh, yeah. Uh, that, that's where I am today. Um, Luke, tell me in, in in French, how do you say small beers or uh, loggers too? Small beers? Uh, do we say? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it, the lit, literally. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Would say petite bière, petite bière, but uh, I don't know. May, maybe Mirella can. Uh, can uh, bière légère. Yeah, bière, bière légère. Yeah, bière légère. I'd say uh, probably yeah. And uh, lagers, it's a uh, lager. <laughs> lager. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Well, now Mirella, so you're really the reason we did the show because of your your new course. 
Um, just bring us up to speed. I, I, I first met you as a master Cicerone, and uh, I know you talk a lot about food and beer pairing. I do. And it's occurring to me now, I heard both Luke and Todd mention their company when they introduced themselves, and I'm, ju I'm just the worst self-promoter, so I should probably mention that my company is Beerology. And my work with Beerology, which I founded uh, 15 years ago, has really been all about helping the industry grow and trying to help um, move it forward, sort of seeing what might be what might be needed or what might be next and lining that up with my skill set. So in the in the early days, 15 years ago, when uh, craft beer was a very a niche interest that uh, only a few of us hardcores were into. Uh, that took the form of a lot of uh, public education, staff trainings for bars that were just starting to carry craft beer, that sort of thing. Um, and then later on, I did a lot of work with um, off-flavor off training, you know, when there was a large boom in breweries and just helping uh, brewers make the, the best beers that they could. And uh, I guess a few years ago now, I looked around and I realized okay, we're at a stage now where most establishments, if if they don't have a few craft beers on tap, they definitely have a few flavorful beers on tap. It's hard to go into an establishment that that uh, carries beer and not find, you know, an IPA, for example. And so I started thinking, you know, what's next? And it occurred to me that what's next is using those beers to their full potential. And to me, that means pairing beer with food, because if you know which beer to serve with your food or which food to serve with your beer, it's it can be such an amazing and wonderful experience. And looking around, I, I didn't really see any, any how-tos, right, on how to pair beer with food. Most beer and food pairing resources are either lists of this food goes well with that beer and this food goes well with that beer or you know, a bunch of rules that are thrown at you and then, you know, you're left to your own devices to figure it out. So, so the task that I gave myself is to create a how-to that someone could use to, if they have a beer in front of them, to get them step-by-step -step to the right food for that beer or the other way around, if they have a food, step-by-step, -step, how do you get to the beer pairing? So, so that's what my course is about. As you mentioned earlier, Jamie, it's called Mastering Beer and Food Pairing, brought to you by Beerology. And that's, I guess, in a nutshell, uh, bringing you up to speed in terms of how I got here. Well, with, with our other guests, I mean, they're both brewers who also have, have good or have had good food programs um, and have done pairing dinners and other things. Can confirm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so t tell us a little bit of your motivation um, for starting at, it says your course is an intermediate level. So I kind of want to dive into it and um, maybe you can lead and ask Todd and Luke, couple questions related to you know what how they would pair or what they would pair um see if they're up to speed with what you're teaching <laughs> put them on the spot yeah well um the the intermediate word is one that i'm i'm struggling with i was trying to find the right term but um that was also inspired by the books and the courses that were already out there and jimmy you can probably uh confirm this and and look and todd if you've seen any beer and food pairing resources, uh, most of the time when you, you see a beer and food pairing resource, it starts with, okay, well, here are the, the ingredients in beer that give you these flavors, and here are styles, because if you don't understand styles, then you can't do food pairing, right? And so it takes you through that whole journey, and then the last, you know, very small piece 
of that book or course is actually the technique of pairing beer with food. And what I wanted to do was zoom in on that little piece and really focus on that. So when I say intermediate level to take my course, what I mean is that you should uh, already be comfortable uh, describing beers because this is an online course, right? Anyone, anywhere with any beers can do the course and I'm not there. So if if someone is watching the course and I say to them, okay, the beer in front of you, what is the, the dominant note in that beer? They need to be able to confidently say, okay, well, I know the dominant note is, you know, citrus from hops or it's chocolate from roasted grains or whatnot, because I'm not there, right, to confirm. And the other piece is people already need to know their styles. So if you don't know what's your styles, you should probably brush up before you take the course. So I'm, I'm confident both Luc and Todd know their styles and are comfortable describing beers. Um, and I know Luc... Uh, Sadly, with the pandemic, it's been a, a few years, but last time I checked, your, your menu was very uh, Japanese-inspired. Is that still the case? Um, yeah, it's it's changing a little bit uh, now because, uh, unfortunately, uh, I lost my chef. Um, he left, you know, he was with me since day one. Uh, pandemic did uh, different things to different people, right? A lot of people got motivated, uh, even more motivated, like me. Uh, but mm -hmm. some people just like went down and unfortunately, uh, yeah. So my chef left. It's, uh, it's a bit, it's too bad. Um, but now I have a new guy and, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's Asian Canadian and, uh, he's, he's got more like of a fusion kind of, um, uh, mindset. So it's still very Asian uh, influence, but more fusion. So it's changing a bit. Yeah. And did you do you talk to the chef in terms of how the beer will pair with the food when when the menu is being designed, or or how, what's that process like for you? Yeah, we're kind of uh, we're kind of in the process of that. It was it was kind of very easy with my uh, with 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 my first chef because you know we've been working together for five years, and every time I you know I brew a beer and it's in fermentation or it's in maturation, I always give him a sip, and you know so he can kind of visualize and. Uh, and you know, see what what's next. What he can what he can cook next to go with with some of my beers. Uh, now I've kind of lost that that energy a little bit, but it's it's fairly new, my new chef. So we're 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 slowly working on it because he's not a he's not a beer guy. So uh, you know, it's uh, it's really it's really tough to find staff these days. It's tough to find a good good chef. So uh, I was one of my cr criteria was not like uh, you need to. You need to be a beer drinker and love beer. So we're, we're just working on it now. Yeah, That's fair. You actually said something very interesting, which is um, that he just gives his or just gave his chef a taste of the beer. Um, and that's how the chef would determine what the pairing is. And I think uh, that speaks to how most of us pair beer with food. It's, it's a very instinctive process. We just put the beer in our mouth and there's a computation that happens in the brain that leads us instinctively to the pairing because we've been doing it for so many years and so you know the big journey and the big challenge for me in creating the course was to um pick that apart and figure out okay when i sip the beer and my brain automatically knows which food you know what is the computation that is happening in my brain and how do i communicate that i'd actually be very interested uh jimmy or todd to find out how how, how you approach your your beer and food pairing yeah before we, i'd actually want to luke could you give us an example of one style of beer that you made um, and perhaps a really great pairing that your former chef came up with? 
Um, yeah, uh, the uh, you know I should have took took notes uh, before, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. Um, <clears throat> I'd say. Uh, yeah, we used to do like a yeah, it's kind of interesting, like a uh, like a roll cabbage. Um, it was kind of in a in a um, in like a, a dashi broth uh, with a little bit of, um, of of spice in it and a little bit of a fatty broth. So this was, was doing very well with uh, with the user says on. I thought uh, we do a, a very uh, very dry. Um, uh, you saison or, or karage, like it's a fried chicken. Everything kind of fatty that we do, or the katsando, like which is a uh, like a pork cutlet sandwich. All of that was, was going very well with uh, with actually one of my flagship, uh, which is the uh, saison with uh, with Japanese yuzu. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And then back to you, Maria. What you're asking? Why don't you ask Todd next? Yeah, yeah, I, I was very curious, Todd, to, to find out how you approach it. Do you do beer and food pairing at all? Uh, we do. Um, actually, as I heard um, Luke say, you know, stuff with a chef, we've, you know, I think I may have mentioned on the past uh, with the shows here with Jimmy, uh, we had some issues in the beginning with, with finding the right chef. We initially started out with a, a Latin-inspired uh, cuisine, and my grandmother's from Puerto Rico, so the guy we hired, uh, that was his background, and uh, he turned out to not be quite the package we thought he was. So we went through a couple of interims who were just basically friends of ours that were Band-Aids for the first, like, six months or so. And then we found our chef. We're, uh, we'll be five in November. So our chef's been with us since then. But, you know, even though he stayed with us, like, the pandemic, like like you had mentioned, Luke, um, put a strain on hiring. And so we went from this very, you know, involved menu that has a – kind of if you look at the area we're in we're in this like strip of highway called Buford Highway and it's very eclectic as far as um the different uh, cultures that are represented out here like some of the best you know Asian cuisine some of the best you know Latin food I mean you name it and it's in this strip of uh highway it's amazing so you can see some of that inspiration like on our menu but for the most part it has a very you know defined like southern uh southernality to it I guess you, you know for lack of a better word but um, anyway, it went from being this very involved. We had like 16 people back of the house um, to where we were in the, in the beginning and throughout the pandemic to about six people. And so I want to say maybe, uh, I don't know, four, four or five months ago, our chef came to me and my other partner and was like, listen, man, I love you guys. And this is great. But I've got my third kid on the way. I just cannot continue to make food this way with the, the hands that I have. Like, you know, they're great people, but they're not, you know. Their skill set is is challenging, and uh, you know his time was limited because he's like on the line. So we shifted in a big way, and we went to um, a more simple approach to the food. But it's funny you mentioned uh, that Maria. Maria, um, we're doing a, a beer dinner tomorrow. We do one uh, every month. Well, we do one every month until the summer months. We take a little break, but um, it's uh, five courses. We do one welcome beer, and then you know we do. Uh, three beers from Good Word and then three beers from a guest uh, brewery. But that's where you can like see the true like culinary talent and spirit of our kitchen staff, especially our chefs, our pastry chef and our um, uh, head chef. And um, they're amazing. They're like some of my favorite things that we do. Um, I will say too, you know, uh, I checked you guys out um, on online and very impressed with both you guys. 
Uh, so my uh, business partner is a, uh, a BJCP judge, and he's um, third level uh, Cicerone. And so to see that you're a master level, I was like, holy shit. Like, he's good. I can only imagine how incredible it is to have your feedback because, you know, I feel like he, he kind of is behind the scenes a lot. And I'm the one that, like, you know, obviously does a podcast. And I go and, and, you know, you brew the beer so you get to be the face a little bit. But he has helped make the beer better in such uh, a great way by tasting evaluating and, and all sort of stuff so i can only imagine having somebody like you in my corner to make things better so very impressed and, and glad to be here and huge fan also of uh due to sill i worked at a place called Brickstore pub for about uh, 12 years and i remember when we started getting some of that stuff and it was fucking incredible so anyway i don't know if i answered your question <laughs> or not but uh well, Todd, quick what 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 what's on your menu tomorrow you got three beers and three beers I, I took my phone off um, airplane mode, uh, you know, against the rules here. But I messaged my chef. He just said goodbye while I was on mute. And uh, he didn't hit me back. So I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure. I basically said, hey, pick whatever, you know, whatever beers you want to use from us and, and everything. I do a little bit of the pairing from my days back at uh, being at Brickstore. And I, I definitely uh, love to do it, but I'm not as... Um, as involved in that part of it. I'm like, my work's been well laid out usually about, you know, three to eight weeks beforehand. So it's kind of easy breezy for me. I just, you know, talk through all the beers and he talks oh, through yeah. all the food. And Todd, so you're, you're going to, if he texts you by the end of this recording, you're going to tell us what the menu is, but Muriel, one thing I want to talk about, but both these guys are talking about beer dinners and pairings and just give us the intermediate intro to, 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 to setting up a beer dinner. Cause I remember like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, I used to go into um, some third and fourth grade classrooms with a program. And we were just talking about tastes and it was like the basics of just food taste. It was like salt and sweet and, and bitter and something else. And then a couple of years in, they added umami. <laughs> so um, what are the, how do you break down this, this, T talking about you know beer pairings and food and there are there are a number of pieces of course and um, the number one piece is is somewhat what you alluded to of course because when you're pairing beer with food it's about finding traits in the beer that'll work well with the food and so the first thing you need to know is how to break down the traits in the beer in the food. So key things to look for, for sure, are taste, which is what you were talking about, Jimmy. So sweet, sour, bitter, umami, and how those interact. Um, because when you have something that tastes one way, and then you have something that tastes another way, it's, it's going to impact the flavor of the second thing. You know, a, cl a classic example is like when you brush your teeth and you ha try to have orange juice afterwards, right? <laughs> um, that's, that orange juice is not going to taste the same. So those, those are taste interactions. We also look for uh, flavors uh, or another great example of a taste interaction, Luke mentioned earlier with his uh, cabbage roll, he uses uh, and he emphasized that the sauce was fatty um, and fat plays very well with beer and it, uh, it offsets that carbonation in a really lovely way. There's a lovely interplay there. So that would be another great example. Um, then we look at, and this is because I've been uh, just... On, on a project that has taken me in a wine direction for the past few months. And I have realized that a big secret weapon that beer has when, when pairing with food, which is why it's easy for it to be instinctive, is that a lot of the flavors in beer also exist in food. 
they're the same flavors, right? If you think of malt flavors like, you know, bread or caramel or chocolate or coffee, those are all flavors that you can also find in food. Then you think of, you know, a lot of hop aromas, the, you know, the citrus, some of the, the yeast aromas, or if you, you know, never mind just adding fruit or, or various foods to beer. So, so what we do is create bridges. So try to find foods that either, uh, uh, have the same flavor as the beer or a complementary flavor to the beer. Um, you know, and there are a bunch of, you know, I, I cannot encapsulate a, a five-week course in the, in the two minutes, but um, those, are, those are some of the little pieces there. And of course, when you're putting together a full dinner, as, as Todd is doing, um, I'd be interested to know, actually, Todd, do you usually start with the, go with the food first or with, with the beer first? Because it's actually easier to, to map out the food and then plug in the beers, but Sometimes you go beer first, right? Yeah, so he'll basically, you know, it can be hard sometimes to get beer from the guest brewer because of, you know, locality or, or wherever, geographically speaking, because it's usually a, a brewer from uh, well outside the state of Georgia, which we're in. Um, so they have to, like, you know, send us a list, and sometimes they can send some samples, sometimes they can't. But he for sure will taste through, you know, everything we have and, um you know, keg and brights and even beers that are upcoming that might like map it out. Cause we basically will set up, you know, I'll have like four of them at a time, you know, kind of mapped out. And like I said, we take a break, um, June, July and August. And then I'm already getting the ones ready for uh, fall and September. We got some pretty cool ones, but yeah, he starts with the beer from my perspective, from what we're pouring in house. And, uh, he's usually chasing down the other brewery for the most part. Some of them are really good about it and they send the beer, um, in advance, but it, you know, we're like herding, uh, chickens a lot, our cats, you know, how that saying goes <laughs> earlier today, I, I finished brewing a Kolsch at like three 30, um, a little single decoction on that guy. And, uh, immediately jumped into canning and then it started having a canner issue. And I was like, I got to friggin' quit because I got to get on this thing. So anyway, I'm, uh, you know, constantly pulling a lot of directions. So I, I get it from, uh, from their perspective by sending a box of beer to somebody because we're doing a dinner, but they're, they're a lot of fun. You know, we, the brewers will stand up and kind of talk through the beer and what they're getting. And, uh, as far as the delivery goes, we start with something a little bit lighter, um, beer ones. Cause like I said, we get a welcome beer around six and then, you know, kind of, you know, thank everyone for coming in and, and introduce the other brewery. And then we'll bring out the the first course, the beer first. And then within five minutes, you'll be getting the food and all that kind of stuff. But it, it kind of builds throughout, you know, the, um, the dinner. And we don't always end with something like big and punchy, like something you would expect, like a barley wine or stuff. We do that from time to time. But not not always, you know. I also like dinners that finish with, you know, cheese and some kind of, um, you know, mixed firm beer or something or, or something extra special. That's lovely. And it's it's great you mentioned the build-in intensity because that's the main thing to consider, right, when you're doing a full meal. And that's why it's sometimes easier to lead with the food because we instinctively do that already with the way meals go we know to start with like a, an appetizer and then a salad and then go with something a little bit heavier and the dessert is the most intense and sometimes when you start with the beer first that can be a little more uh challenging but uh that's that's lovely that you sometimes end with with Mireya, this, when mm -hmm. since you're studying wine now too do, do you approach a, a pairing dinner with wine differently than beer 
Oh, uh, for clarity, I'm I'm not uh, studying wine. Uh, it, it is uh, it is not for me. Wine study equals geography, which is not how my brain works. Um, I just happen to be uh, working with with uh, consulting for a company that does uh, a lot of wine work, and it, and it is very interesting. So so to, so to your question, like some of the some of the things are similar when we talk about the the taste interactions I mentioned earlier. Th those are the same with wine than with beer. But what it's all coming into focus now. I'm not I'm not like 100% there. But what I'm starting to realize is it's I always knew it was easier to pair beer with food because those flavors mirror each other. But now I'm thinking like maybe it's better. <laughs> and I know that those might be fighting words for some people, but uh, I think it's I think that beer might be a better companion to food. Dot yeah. dot dot. You know, yeah. well, maybe we can talk then, in a few now, weeks. Now, Luke, let's um, go back to your time in Japan and food and beer. Just tell us about you know uh, the beers that you were drinking over there or making, and perhaps some foods that were served with beer in Japan. I mean, I remember having the salty salt cured dried fish um that is apparently served in um izakayas mm -hmm. yeah i mean um you know the the culture in japan is uh very different from uh where i come from you know and uh i mean it probably is changing now a bit but uh you know uh, in 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 montreal you know you you have uh, dinner, then you go out and drink, you know, and in, uh, in Japan yeah. and in Japan is like, people don't drink by themselves, you know, it's, or don't eat, you know, it's, it's, it's just a natural thing to, to eat and drink, uh, alcohol at the same time. And, um, and Japan, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of sake, shochu, but beer is still like, uh, it's still, one of the biggest uh, consumed uh, alcohol product in in Japan. So, uh, but you know the the, the the Japanese will will eat uh, food and and drink like from some of the you know the one of the biggest uh, the, the big four like uh, Asahiki and Sapporo or uh, uh, Suntory. You know, so there it's uh, craft beer and food has not been something that. Um, has been developed that much um anyways uh since uh, until i left uh anyways so um yeah i would say you know people there they just eat and drink and they don't really uh think too much about it actually i think it's just a natural thing and um and you know like dry nice and dry easy lagers uh, pairs well with uh, many food <laughs> probably most of them so um, that's, that's what, uh, that's what has been going there. And, uh, and for me, I mean, my, I, I had more of a production brewery, small production brewery in Japan. I didn't have the, uh, the restaurant part. So, um, I cannot speak for that, but the, yeah, the one thing that I'm really surprised is like, yeah, uh, you know, J Japan is so rich, uh, with, with food, you know, it's a food culture. And, um, uh, and I'm very surprised that they, the, you know the craft beer movement it's has not been uh exploring um more of the the food and beer pairing um so yeah our, i'm going back in may i haven't been in two years maybe it, maybe it all changed uh <laughs> so uh, i'll be able to talk a little bit more about it uh, in the future
Yeah, maybe it's time for Maria to go to Japan and uh, start educating. <laughs> well, my course is online, so they can uh, they can take it now if they want to. Yeah, yeah, but they don't uh, they they don't speak English. Most of them. <laughs> yes, very. Uh, you, yes, you need that to translate is, uh, definitely it. Definitely a barrier. <laughs> mm. Wow, that's a little. I actually might as well ask you because I never really got to talk to you about that, Luke. Um, you know, how was it working there for you, and and what beers were you making in Japan? Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it is very interesting. You know, when I when I got in Japan, um, I uh, you know I I already had a few a few Japanese uh, brewers friends, and uh, some of them have been you know my uh, they were my my very good friends. I invited some to do a collaboration at UCL. Actually, the first collaboration I ever did. Uh, I think in my life is probably with Shigakogen from uh, from Japan and uh, uh, they're in Nagano and uh, me and the owner Satosan we became very very good friends like very close and uh, and when I when I moved to Japan uh, we kind of became uh, I became his worst enemy uh, because I. I moved in and I arrived there with the with the you know with the mentality of of and the philosophy of sharing uh, sharing knowledge with other brewers because you know that's what we we've been doing in North America and I I think the beer as uh, this is one of the reason why beer is improving you know when you talk with each other uh, you collaborate and you you help each other out so. Um, but in Japan, none of that is happening. You know, they're very, uh, you know, they did the old way, kind of like the sake, uh, the sake makers. There, you know, they have all their secrets and they don't share nothing with anybody. So, um, you know, I think I think craft beer in Japan could be uh, could be way better. I don't think it's that great. It's kind of surprising because we think of Japanese people, everything they do, everything they touch. You know, they make it even better. Uh, it's not true with Japan. So, um, anyways, so just th that's what's happening on the craft beer side in uh, uh, there. And for me, as for my brewery there, um, what I did basically is I I continued doing a little bit of uh, what I started doing at uh, Dudeciel. So I was making a um, you know a line of uh, Japanese ingredient beers, and uh, I continued that in Japan. You know, and to my big surprise, I mean, you know, the Japanese brewers—they all—they have all these beautiful ingredients to play with, and but they nobody kind of taught about it. <laughs> so for me, you know, I I um, I just had fun, uh, you know, playing with a lot of a lot of different ingredients, and I love I love smoked beers, so I build my own smoker, and I you know I. Uh, I smoked the malt with, uh, you know, with uh, with smoked fish and uh, and some Japanese trees and uh, stuff like that, you know, uh, and mostly low ABV because, uh, you know, the Japanese are 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 not that uh, tolerant to alcohol, so uh, <laughs> I wanted to do something a little lighter and and something that I like too because I'm 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 more of a a light light beer drinker. Yeah, and let's go, Maria. Um, does it matter like the strength of of the beers uh, for your pairing? Um, it is a factor, but there is a beer for every food and a food for every beer. So it's just a question of understanding the strategy. And I guess with, with light beers, there's 
there's there's two things that I would consider. The first is the intensity, right? So when we're talking about matching a beer with a food, we want the intensities to line up because, for example, if you have a, a light lager with a rich chocolate cake, you're not, you know, you go back to your lot, you're not going to taste anything in that beer, right? Or on the flip yeah. side, if you have a really full barley wine and you have that with a, you know, a light salad, that's the, it's not going to line up. So um, although a lot of these lower alcohol beers still are, they're quite flavorful, um, that flavor is is still at a lower intensity in general. So the food you that you're going to match it with is going to be less uh, intense, but just intense in in the, like the intensity of the flavor. So you know, for example, you might want to reach for a falafel or a quesadilla instead of a burger, right? Or another thing that I I like to do, and certainly you know, uh, both Luc and Todd sort of alluded to cuisines that do this is um, go for foods where there is uh, like a, a, a rice or noodle or something that um, has a very neutral flavor and sort of dilutes the overall intensity of the dish. So, you know, something like a risotto or, or a, a ramen or, you know, polenta or grits, like a shrimp and grits or something, or, or dumplings. I just did a pairing with a session saison and uh, dumplings that was uh, delightful. So you're just looking, or, you know, if you're a meat eater, just more lightly flavored meats or even, you know, beans are even better. So that would be the first thing. And I guess, uh, the second thing to really look out for, um, would be specifically light hoppy beers because with, uh, and when I say hoppy, I mean, um, beers that are high in bitterness, not necessarily, uh, in, in, in hop aroma, hop aroma is fine. But, um, the issue with these lighter beers that are bitter is that so you like have hop, less hoppy lagers. That... Uh, yeah. Something, something yeah. like a, a, a light Pilsner or even like a, 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 you know, a session IPA, something like that. Um, cause, uh, with those beers, you know, just by the nature of how you brew these, these lighter beers, there's often less malt and a bit less body to offset that bitterness. So you want to avoid foods that are going to really aggravate that bitterness. So you want to avoid anything that's very salty. You want to avoid anything that's very high in umami or, or very sweet. And you definitely, definitely want to avoid spicy food. A very spicy food with a, you know, a, a light hoppy beer is just going to annihilate that beer and aggravate that bitterness so you you know you can still use a light beer you just want to find a more malt forward one great hey let's let's just take a break and ask well first we'll take a short break we'll be back in a few minutes on beer sessions radio all right This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, 
serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Join us and become a member at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. All right, so we're talking about uh, master and beer and food pairings and small beers uh, with a great group of guests here. Um, Maria, we're talking about the challenges of some pairings, but let's also talk about your favorite pairings. Let's get to the good stuff. Um, you know, I... I I was wondering, is there a beer that you, you would say is like your favorite style for, for food pairings in general? Or or do you, is that too, too broad? Well, there are definitely some beers that are more pairing friendly than others. And um, you'll often find people quoting Saisons as a very food friendly beer. Uh, I find Saisons to be challenging by the nature that they're so there's such a wide variety of ways that it can be brewed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, uh, a, a more malt forward English style bitter is, is a beer that I find <laughs> if I ever find one <laughs> to, to Todd was mentioning earlier that uh, <laughs> English beers can be a challenge. Um, they're not very popular right now. Um, but, but that style, because it is so well balanced between the malt uh, and the bitterness, and there's a really lovely complexity of flavors, but it's understated. It can easily sort of swing in with a wide range of foods. And I would say, you know, malt forward beers in general, um, beers that don't have a high bitterness are easier to pair because bitterness does, as I outlined earlier, come with uh, a number of different challenges. Right. Hey, Todd. Uh, I was, was going to say, actually, I don't mean to interrupt, but you should come see us down in uh, Georgia. I've got uh, four English beers on right now, and uh, none uh, of them are above uh, 4%. I've got uh, English Porter. I've got uh, English Style Best Bitter, um, a Dark Mild, and I have an English uh, Golden Ale. Amazing. Do you ever pretty, do cask? Pretty not bad. Uh, we have two beer engines, actually. But, yeah, we do cask uh, oh. pretty much every week, almost uh, a couple of times a week. We just we were doing a single engine for a long time, and then our fridge died on us, so we are like, this is a great opportunity to get uh, a fridge big enough for two uh, little pens in there. And so we installed a second uh, beer engine and the fridge was just tight enough that we had to like build a little collar for it. So this is going to be the first week uh, back after uh, with both cast corn. So we're going to put Amazing. a, a three point. Yeah. We're putting a little 3.6% uh, Irish stout and a um, probably put the golden ale on tomorrow uh, for this week. Todd, just tell us a little more about your background. Tell us about the place you worked for 12 years, um, because I feel like you've really been in an important place for craft beer in Georgia for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think I I was just kind of lucky to get a job there. It seemed like uh, 
getting a job at Brickstore Pub um, was a place, you know, from how I'd heard it that you would, you know, somebody had to pass away to, to get a gig there. Um, but I started there in 2005 and I was, I think I was 26 or 27, 2005. But anyway, um, before coming there, I lived in Asheville, North Carolina. And I remember thinking the end of the beer rainbow was something like Highland Gaelic and 420 and Guinness, which are all, you know, fantastic beers, but that was kind of the extent of, you know, of my beer knowledge and appreciation. So coming to Brickstore for the first time as a guest in 2005 my mind was sort of blown like looking at this mini page um book uh trying to pick a beer out i was intimidated and, and sort of in awe and this, if you haven't been there uh this year they're turning um the thing at 24 this year but um anyway i was very very impressed and asked you know for an application and sat down for an interview within a few days and and stayed there until uh, until we decided to open this place, and it was just under uh, twelve years, and ended up being the general manager while I was there, and you know had a penchant for home cooking, and that turned into a passion for uh, home brewing, and then turned into a, uh, a sort of wild career, uh, becoming a, a brewer of good word, which I didn't initially plan to do, and it wasn't anyone's, none of my partners wanted that to happen. Um, myself honestly i just didn't have the background for it but we hired a brewer actually from closer to you guys neck of the woods he was a canadian uh guy a young fella but he came down and he was here for about three and a half months before he opened and then about two two and a half months while we were open and you know i guess got homesick and absconded and uh, left me uh to try to figure out how to take my homebrewing skills to um uh you know brew pub setting while helping my business partner manage the front of the house. So I did that for six months. And finally I was like, you know, I'm going to focus on the brewery end of this. And, you know, you, you can, we can hire a, a general manager to kind of help facilitate the needs from the front of the house. And, you know, the, I'll be honest with you, the beer was okay. When we first opened, it was fine. When I took over, it was probably, you know, probably less than fine at times. But like I alluded to earlier, you know, coming from a place like Brickstore pub that has incredible beer from around the country, you, you know, you, you dump beer or you don't, you know, you don't sell it if it's not good enough. So having that, um, you know, education coming from that um, background and having a business partner with a really good palate meant like a lot of studying, a lot of, you know, like Luke mentioned before, um, including with other, you know, brewers and picking their brains, anyone who would let me plug them and ask, you know, how they're producing whatever you know and i i don't know i'm 42 and i feel like i'm still like a forever student and when i think about what i've learned i i guess i've learned a lot but i don't feel like i know enough i definitely feel that way so i guess that's good um so and i was lucky be- lucky last year you, you sent me a yeah. few beers and um quite a range I, I had some of your english beers the porter the dark mild and in particular i, I liked your italian style pills yeah um, yeah that seemed to be like the beer style of last year. I think we're going to switch and talk about some lagers and pilsners. Um, what are you going to make the Italian style pilsner again? Um, oh, yeah. and how did that become the, like the big trend last year? You know, I don't know. I hate trends. I'll be honest with you because it's funny. Um, we have been getting a little bit of attention for making English beers. And uh, all of a sudden it seems like a lot of people are making English beers. And um, the only thing with the rush to trend and i'm sure that you know both you guys can attest to this is like 
when everybody rushes in without like knowing what to expect or what they're trying to produce, it can be very clumsy and, and hard to pull off like quote unquote, like authenticity, which is hard, you know, like there's plenty of styles that I've brewed that I don't, I've never had a commercial example of like from the country they are derived, you know? And so I just do as much research as I possibly can um, for those styles. I don't know. I don't, I think that it's high in our dry hop filter or whatever is an easy segue from your IPA drinker into the world of craft lager, I guess. And so I, I think there's a balance to, of course, everything. And this is a good group to kind of, you know, uh, say that with, but you know, especially with dry hop lagers, like it's really hard to pull off like a citra dry hop lager or some kind of vanity hop, like a, you know, New Zealand or um, Australian type hops. It just seems to throw those beers out of balance uh, because the hand is a little too heavy. But I think what it is, a lot of brewers are trying to make up that difference between the leap of, you know, this hazy or IPA drink or whatever over to the lager. And it's like, I don't know, I guess, I don't know. I guess I haven't had enough examples to say, Yes, these lagers should be dry hop with Amarillo or whatever the fuck it is. You know what I mean? But um, I usually like a, a noble character in, in lager beer and some balance. But I don't know. So maybe that's why it was a trend. I'm not really sure. Um, I've had a couple of good ones for sure. Yeah. But we make ours all the time. And then, Luke, you said you're making a lot more lagers, in particular Czech-style lagers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, in the past three years, anyways, Um you know, for me, um, um, you know, Todd is talking about, you know, trends and not really uh, seeking any trends. I, it's, it's, it's been also a story of my life and back at, back in the days at UCL, right? We're just, we're just brewing what we, what we, we really love and uh, what we feel connected with. You know, for me, I always say, uh, you know my my portfolio um it, of, of beer is is uh, like an autobiography of my life you know it's like i um what what i do what i live what i breathe uh, the experience i have you know it kind of kind of shows in in what i brew because uh, you know i'm still i'm still brewing a hundred percent of the beers at godspeed since day one no matter how busy i am uh as a uh, single uh, owner and uh, uh, so yeah so back um, in 2018 um, I was invited to uh, to Czech Republic um, uh, and I spent like a week with the Czech government there and we uh, you know we visit uh, uh, you know malt houses like uh, hop farms and well uh, and uh, breweries and uh, brew house manufacturers name it and plus, we've been really introduced more more to the culture of Czech Republic. Um, so it's been, um, you know, I've been traveling for beer since pretty much 1992. And this has been by far like the best beer trip ever in my life. And, um, you know, we are, we were always already doing some Bohemian style lager back in the days at, at Zutziel, but... You know, sometimes you're just making, well, back in the days, anyways, you're making a style, you're making a beer, but you're kind of missing, you're missing something. You know, for me, I need to, I need to travel to, 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 to the roots, to the place, you know, and, 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 you know, live it, you know, feel it, breathe it. And, and I come back home and now I have a better, 
now that I have a better understanding and feeling of it, I want to do it. So that's kind of what happened with Czech Republic. It really, it really hit me hard, like like Japan did. You know, I I traveled forty five countries in my life, and there, there's these two countries for for some reason, and uh, yeah, and I always been interested in in Czech Republic, anyways. But you know, I always felt like these. You know, we know a lot about loggers, about German loggers, but you know, the Czech feels like it's a bit more mysterious and um, not much has has been said about it. So. Um, I don't know, for me, where all this said, where I am in my career, uh, you know, and I'm, I consider myself an, an old soul and, and that's really um, what excites me. And, and I've been diving into it for the last three years and uh, it's doing pretty well uh, for, for us. Everybody was, it was, uh, you know, saying, uh, looking at Godspeed, doing all these Czech beers and, you know, and I'm using the, I'm using the proper, uh, proper name of the style, you know, and uh, which people cannot even pronounce. And people say, yeah, man, this guy's crazy with his smoke loggers and his Czech loggers. And you know what? Like now it's uh, it's becoming uh, it's becoming a trend, I think. I Well, I was not with, with your beers. You, you, once you start drinking them, it's hard to drink something else. If I go to Toronto, what? Can I go and drink at your brewery? Of course you can. And uh, we'll drink. What's we'll, it like? What's it like when I when I go there? Uh, Is there well, a bar? Are there seats? Well, what's it like? You're gonna come with me in the brewery, and we're gonna drink from the tanks. That's what we, <laughs> that's that's what we're gonna do because that's what I do with all my friends. And uh, you know, my beer are all like uh, uh, naturally carbonated. Hundred percent of my beers are naturally carbonated, uh, no matter the style. So we can we can always. Uh, you know, uh, put the, the little uh, swiggle there and then just uh, pour ourselves some beers. But yeah, I do have a, I do have a, a bar, a restaurant. Um, the way that it is for me, we're, we're zoned, it's, uh, we're zoned like a residential commercial. So half of my space has to be occupied by the restaurant. So we have, uh, have about seven, 7,000 square feet and just, just a bit, uh, you know, under maybe three thousand five hundred is uh, is the restaurant. So it's kind of kind of big big space. Yeah, it's yeah. gorgeous, Jimmy. Just so you know, uh, I've only managed to get there once because it's uh, not very close to my house. But it is a, just a beautiful establishment with a, a lovely, very curated, a welcoming, warm atmosphere. Yeah. Well, Marilla, we're talking about different c countries, and in our case, the food. Um, but Toronto's pretty international too. Um, are there a couple of different cuisines you'd like to mention, and perhaps um, a dish or two? And then what 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 would be a good pairing for that? Sure. Well, you know there is a beer for every food and a food for every beer. So I, I feel like no matter what cuisine it is that you enjoy, there will uh, be a beer that is that. I mean. Just think of the variety of beers that are out there, right? Um, you know what? It might be interesting to to talk about some some classic pairings um, because you know nowadays we we have all kinds of different foods and we're discovering craft beer and we're putting together those pairings. But what's particularly interesting to me is is you know in the spirit of what Luke was saying earlier about his uh, his discovery uh, uh, and his experience in the the Czech Republic. I haven't been to the Czech Republic in a while, but I certainly um, was in 
Germany recently and had that same uh, moment of, uh, there's something to be said about the understated complexity of these highly drinkable, very, very simple beers. So, you know, for example, a, you know, a, a classic pairing with German cuisine um, would be sausage with beer. So <laughs> shocker. So more specifically, there's a, there's a really nice sausage called a Weisswurst, which is a, a very fatty. We talked about Weisswurst. Yes. Uh, that's a, a classic with, uh, with wheat beer, with Hefeweizen. Um, also just uh, as you get more intense with the flavors, like, you know, uh, a roasted duck or something like that would be great with an Oktoberfest lager. The minute you get a, a richer uh, food, you need a beer with a little bit more alcohol and just a little bit more cutting ability. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what else can I tell you? Uh, ooh, one that's on my to-do list is um, Flanders red ales are traditionally consumed with fresh brown shrimp. And that sounds super exciting to me. I just love the idea of that combination. Uh, I they, have they had cooked? it with shrimp, which is great. Cooked yes. Or yes. Cooked shrimp? Yes. And how do they uh, cook them? I think they're just very simply prepared. Just uh, because these are very, the, the brown shrimp are very tiny little shrimp. So they just uh, steam them up and they, I think they eat them like popcorn, which is super exciting. Um, but, uh, you know, for myself, I will tell you my favorite pandemic uh, pairing <laughs> that I've, I've just been uh, obsessing over and, and having, because, you know, the, you know, the past couple of years, I know we said we weren't going to talk about the pandemic, so maybe I won't, but uh, comfort food has been a big part of my life, let's say, in the in the past little while. And for, for me, comfort food equals pizza. <laughs> so okay. uh, I've been really enjoying uh, a four cheese pizza, which is just a simple uh, tomato sauce pizza with uh, mozzarella, parmesan, and a, a sharp cheddar and a blue cheese. So this isn't, Ooh. you know, uh, a tentative pizza. This is a this is a in your face, tons of flavor pizza, and I've been really enjoying offsetting that with um, uh, an Irish red style beer. So we have uh, in North America, we have these amber lagers that are essentially uh, Irish reds. I don't know if they, are they do they still exist, Todd? In the in the U.S., the old school amber beers that aren't uh, full of American hops and are just super malt forward. Remember those beers from the early craft beer days? Uh, I do. Um, I don't see many Irish reds for sure, but we're releasing a Palo uh, Tomavi uh, Lezak uh, tomorrow. So that's that's an amber you know, lager, and it's definitely not American hops. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's full of flavor, and it's all in balance and uh, sub 5%. So it's... Uh, Nice, easy drinking beer that I don't know if they'll pair with some brown steamed shrimp, but that sure sounded nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you need that acidity there for the shrimp, but you could pair that with my four cheese pizza and uh, and very oh, much yeah, enjoy yeah. it. That sounds good. It. I'm going to I'm going to jump. We're going to close out soon. I want to say a couple of my favorite pairings, which are very broad. So I don't know. Years ago, one of my first pairing challenges with a customer was what do you want to pair with this really great Alaskan wild salmon? And as mm. you know, that's fatty, but it's also, 
it it's got a richness to it without but it 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 kind of goes well with a lot of things and i started using my go-to pairing beer german wheat beers like a hefeweizen and mm-hmm. um that that was something i wanted to ask you about because i feel like that's a, there is a truism or there's some fact that the hefeweizen goes well with you mentioned sausage and vice versa and i, I do feel that the, to me if i had to say a go-to beer for food pairings very often i would say german wheat beer for sure yeah german german wheat beer is great again we're talking about a beer that hasn't doesn't have a strong bitterness which is often the the issue with you mentioned salmon is a very high fat fish and um unfortunately though those those omega oils in the fish can can clash with some of the bitter bittering compounds and hops and create a really unpleasant metallic flavor. So so you're skirting that with the Hefeweizen and with the Hefeweizen, you'll also get, uh, you know, fruity flavors and fruit is lovely with fish. So that I would say that's a classic pairing. Another lovely beer to have with salmon is uh, stout. As long as it's not too, uh, not an American stout that's uh, got a bold resinous uh, quality to it, but uh, uh, a stout that's more chocolatey and malt forward is also lovely with salmon. Wow! So, th- so these are some of the topics that you dive into with your course, um, or we're only touching the surface. Oh yes, and and to be clear, my course, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is not you know a list of foods that pair well with certain beers because uh, that's been done. You can find that in my my book. You can find that in a range of other books. There, the Brewers Association has published that one pager that'll tell you, oh, you have this here are a couple of foods that go with particular styles. Uh, it's really a how-to. So it's designed, you know, for example, Todd could complete it with the beers that that he brews and Luke can complete it with the beer that he brews and Jimmy, you could complete it with the beers that are in your fridge and uh, it will lead you to the, the pairing, the foods that go well with the beers that you drink. Um, I'm not going to uh, at any stage, you know, throw a pairing at you that you have to go and seek out a very specific beer and a very specific food. Cause that's not very inclusive and it's not very useful. You know, I wanted it to be practical and about, you know, finding the right pairings for you. That's great. I remember when I was first in the industry and studying more about wine, there would always be those rules with wine. They'd be like, you can't pair anything with asparagus. You can't pair anything with artichokes. There were certain foods that, and was that because of the, the makeup of the, the chemistry in the food? Yeah. So that's taste interactions again. And uh, specifically with those two foods, we're talking about bitterness that can be, an issue. So in wine, they do something called flavor balancing, where they will add some, they will basically, you know, tweak the food a little bit, uh, so that it'll pair pair better with the wine. And it does, again, from my cursory uh, dip into it to wine and food, it sounds like there's a much larger potential for horrible clashes with wine and food than there is with beer. So um, that's, I think, the the great news for anyone who wants to just venture into beer and food pairing is, you know, it is highly unlikely that you'll, you'll come across a train wreck. You know, you might end up with a pairing that's a little meh, but um, you know, if you just want to venture in and do a little trial and error, I think you'll more, more often than not, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Well, Maria is at uh, Bureology, right? Bureology.com. Bureology.ca. I'm in Canada. Uh, CA. <laughs> and you've got a Mastering Beer and Food course. Um, 
And let's close out, Todd and, and Luke. Todd, um, tell us again about your little beer fest coming up, um, which should be on our list for next year, right? Uh, that's right. Well, so we're uh, this year will be Saturday, April 9th, and we've got 65 breweries from around the country coming. Um, yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting, man. We have a uh, beer dinner with our friends at Schilling uh, the Thursday before that. And, uh, yeah, if you guys ever get a wild hair and want to come to Georgia, I'd love to host you guys. Um, but also, I was going to say, we talked earlier in the show about some pairings, and I know we're almost out of time, but my chef did get back to me about what he's doing. I think you guys might find this a little interesting. All right. So we uh, we did a beer with a brewery called uh, Heater Allen, and we rebrewed it. Uh, it's called Coastline Pills, and this is a dry hop pilsner as well. We don't call it an Italian style, but it's basically a um, four-malted uh, Bohemian fireman, and uh, we do like a set mash with a single decoction and we also naturally carbonate most of our beers with spunding valves um anyway i don't go too, too far down that line since we have much time but anyway we're, we're doing that beer with seared foie gras and uh tropical fruit uh pickled mustard seed and a brioche um and then i should say that beer was dry hop with some saphir and then another one is a duck confit drumstick with barley and chichitos and that's going with our palatamavi lesak and that one we did with the brewery called Threes up in uh, in your neck of the woods, Jimmy. What was the last the last beer? Uh, it's called Past is Prologue, and it's a four point six percent Palatamavi Lezak, so a half dark Czech lager. We made that with uh, Threes and in, in, uh, in Brooklyn. Wow, man! Dude, yeah. Thank you so much, brother. <laughs> I'm always thank you. so happy to talk to you, and um, looking forward to coming down one day. And Luke, for you, brother. Uh, Great talking to you at Godspeed. What are you working on tonight? You got something brewing right now? Um, yeah, I got a few things, you know, but uh, but what's going on tonight? Going back to my, my wife and son <laughs> and uh, try to... Uh, Try to uh, to to switch uh, switch the switch off, uh, but it's impossible. But yeah, try to take some family time. Try to create the balance with uh, with my brewing life and uh, and my and the family. Um, and uh, that's about it. A lot of interesting projects uh, going on this year. You'll uh, you'll hear about it definitely. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Um, I'm not opening my mouth too much. And uh, one other thing, I just start uh, exporting again to the United States. So maybe it would be nice to, to say a little bit. So uh, you can um, say, yeah, I started in December with this new importer because we know, uh, unfortunately, the, the Shelton brothers um, um, are not anymore. Um, so I've, um, I, I'm working with a, um, with a company called Vom Boden. Um, and uh, they're... They're a wine importer, um, specifically German wines, and they uh, they fell in love with Godspeed, so they have uh, one brewery in their portfolio. So um, looks like it's working very well uh, in New York City and Chicago only for now. So uh, check uh, check them out, uh, check their website if you want to know where uh, where the beers are. And um, and I want to say uh, hi to Bob at BR because I know they're probably listening to this. <laughs> Shelton Brothers. Oh yeah. You guys are so great, man. Thank you. And then Maria, last time, give a plug for your for your course one more time. For sure. It's called Mastering Beer and Food Pairing, brought to you by Beerology, and you can find it at beerology.thinkific.com. And it's more than than uh, pairing for dummies, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Okay. It'll teach you how to find the right beer for your food. 
All right. I'm 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 considering taking it. I think it's time to up my uh my food parent savvy. Since I've been talking about I, I had two two that I loved. One was from one of Garrett Oliver's early books. Uh it, it it stuck. It was the Stilton, the blue cheese Stilton with a barley wine. And that was kind of like a go to pairing. Oh, yeah. And then my uh Alaskan wild salmon with with a half of Weizen. Seems like those are the only two pairings that I can ever remember. So, <laughs> I well, think that uh, the Garrett Oliver book, the Brewmaster's Table, is uh, is a classic. I think we've all read it, and it's certainly you know a great place to find inspiration. Yes, and that's a, that's a good starting point too, right? For sure. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, thanks so much, uh, Mireya, Luke, and Todd for joining me here on Heritage Radio Network. Thanks to our engineer Armin and producing intern. Alex, I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo. Cool. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.